Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. So as we just discussed about difficult conversations in our discussion time, um, it relates to the last message in our Mosaic series that we've been in the last four weeks, or this is the fourth week of it. We know this in this series, we've been discussing God's plan for a multi-ethnic people and our desire as a, as a local expression of that for our local church to also be multi-ethnic. And we talked week one about God's kingdom not being segregated, right? We said God's kingdom is not segregated. And that, of course, applies to all different kinds of divisions that get set up in the world, not just uh, the racial and ethnic divide, but socioeconomic or just differences that create segregation or division among God's people. And, and God's kingdom is not segregated. And so we talked about the implications of that. Then in week two, we discussed the that the gospel requires reconciliation. So, so not just that God didn't intend for his kingdom to be segregated, for his people to be divided, but that, in fact, what he did through the gospel, through the life and story of Jesus Christ, and what he did in accomplishing what, what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection, with the, with the presence of God with us, the Spirit with us, we actually are called to reconciliation. That's the requirement of the gospel, whether it's reconciliation between me and another person or groups of people, people groups being reconciled to one another, and that's the call of the gospel on our lives. And then last week we talked about that God has more. He has more for us. Remember we, we read a prayer and, and, and emulated that prayer and how I shared with you God's call for more. This, this kind of beautiful picture of the mosaic God has for us. And Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 that we read from is this incredible prayer with full faith and belief that God has more, abundantly more, infinitely more than we could even imagine. For us, he has more for us individually, but then more for us corporately, more for the church that the fullness of God's presence actually dwells in the diversity of his people. And, and it's a beautiful thing when a mosaic comes together like that. When, when God builds this beautiful picture of his people. And so last week we, we heard the truth of the scripture remind us that God has more than what we typically see today. And then today, as we talk about our fourth uh, talking point and discussion the, uh, around this topic of mosaic. The, the talking point today, the truth for us today that we will wrestle with is there, that true unity only comes from truth in love. Let me say that again. I encourage you to, to write that down, uh, to keep that tucked away in the back of your mind, to really wrestle with that this week. That true unity only comes from truth in love. Hopefully you read Ephesians 4 this week, but if you didn't, we're going we're gonna to read a portion of it this morning together. But, but hopefully you've been tracking with us reading Ephesians 1 the first week and 2 the second week and 3 the third week and now 4 
this week, and, and we'll actually be reading Ephesians 5 this coming week, even, even though we'll change series. But Ephesians 4 this week is, is amazing how God speaks to us about two big topics that are related and interconnected to one another. And they're these two big ideals that seem to be somewhat elusive to our culture today. Uh, maturity and unity. And there's a lot of talk about maturity and unity among people, but there seems to be a lack of understanding, or at least, how, what does it actually mean? What, what does maturity actually look like? What does unity actually look like? And um, sometimes I think people think maturity simply comes with age, but I think we can all admit that that doesn't happen. I mean, I know adults that act like kids or teenagers, um, and, and we know that that's not always true, that maturity doesn't always coincide with age. Um, some people, I think, believe maturity coincides with um, kind of the burden of responsibility, but, but that's not really it either, right? Because you can have the burden of responsibility and still not handle that responsibility maturely. So we don't know really what to do with maturity sometimes. Then when it comes to unity, uh, a lot of people seem to believe that, that this means some sort of uniformity. Then we must all, all start to actually be alike and talk alike and dress alike and like the same things. That unity only can occur when I'm the same as you. And that's weird because that's not even the reality of unity. Unity in its nature means that there's some differences between us and yet we're united around something something brings us together. And so it's not the forcing of having to be the same or even be in the same place or under the same organizational name. There's, there's a lot of confusion around maturity and unity. And the scripture today has a lot to say to us about these two topics and about how we mature as people and how God has designed us to mature and then how we mature together into a mature expression of God's people, and, and how unity is related to that and plays into that and actually is both a result and cause of maturity. So unity and maturity, these two big topics of how we actually become the people that we're designed to be individually and together, and we begin to fulfill God's purposes for us. So let's read in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, right in the middle of the chapter. We're going to read uh, the words of Paul where he's talking about this maturity and this unity. So this is Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that as we hear from your word and we reflect upon our current situation in our culture and in our own lives individually, that we ask that your spirit would help transform us, change us, as this chapter talks about, that you would transform and change our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, that you would open us up to what you have for us and that you would give us such a deep love for others, that we would be able to speak the truth in love, that truth in love which produces unity and ultimately maturity. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, most of all, and your Spirit who is here with us and inhabits us, and we thank you for your presence. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So this chapter, chapter 4 of Ephesians, is is actually chock full of important explanations of what it looks like to be God's diverse people living as a mosaic together. So at first glance, if you read this chapter, it may just seem like a lot of good advice, right? Be humble, be patient, be gentle. It might just sound like a lot of really good, just general advice for a Christian, like he's spouting it off. But actually what he's doing here in chapter 4, remember, Chapter 4 is a part of this letter where he's writing to this, this diverse group of people. This, these two groups that had existed, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and all the other nations, there's this divide between them. And Paul goes, he explains earlier, as we've read in previous chapters, that Jesus came and he broke that divide down. And he actually began to build a new people, a people across division, across how the world divides us and how many times we're convinced we're different from someone else. So across these differences and these divisions, Jesus, God, through Jesus' work, begins to build a people with his presence, where his presence inhabits these people who are different from one another. And Paul is addressing, how do we exist together with people who are different from us? How do, we, how do we become a united, mature expression of God's people, this mosaic, this beautiful picture? How do we actually accomplish that? How do we do that? How do we, how do we handle unity across di- difference? How do we mature in our faith? Well, he, he begins to identify these things, right? If you're going to interact with someone who's different from you and where you might get offended by something they say or there might just be a misunderstanding which is natural when there are different people coming together there's lots of just miscommunication or misunderstanding then you then you need to be humble you have to be humble and gentle and patient and you have to allow for others faults and we have to do that in our interactions with one another if we're going to accomplish this work he's called us to, to be a mosaic, to be a multi-ethnic people. And in fact, in verse 3, he, he addresses this specifically, and he says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort, right? Go, go out of your way to make every effort 
to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now this uh, admittedly make every effort means it may not always work out that there, there, that there still will be some division that exists, that, that you're making every effort, but it doesn't mean it's always going to work out, but it doesn't keep you from making every effort. That's the goal here from Paul. He's saying if you're going to remain united, you have to put effort into it. You have to make every effort to be united together. And you have to bind yourself together. Bind yourself. Hold on to each other closely with peace as the goal. That's before the passage we read. He, he starts to address some of those things about walking in unity together. And then after the passage, he goes into a little more of a deeper theological explanation of what's going on. Like a, the deep thoughts part of his explanation. Not as much the practical, but... How, why are we in this situation when how how does God actually work this out behind the scenes he he discusses how the nations are in darkness or confused right how we've experienced that in our life where we've been kind of in this darkness in this confusion we don't we don't seem to get along with other people we can't seem to figure out how to navigate differences and all of that sort of thing and and then the light comes in and we're able to see that that Jesus in our faith in Christ, the Spirit comes into our life. Paul explains that the Spirit actually begins to renew our thoughts and our attitudes towards others. That God actually begins to renew our minds and our hearts and our attitudes and how we interact with other people. He begins to transform and change those things about us. That it's like as if you're in a dark room with no lights on, right? That that that's how generally we are as humans. We're in this dark space and, we're, and there's confusion and, and we find it difficult to navigate. Right? And in a dark room with no lights, you might bump into a furniture. There's that conflict, right? There's that, that difficult conversation. You bump into something. But, but that when the light comes in, now we can see. Now we can understand. Now we can feel. Now, now we can figure it out, right? And this chapter is just full of this amazing teaching from Paul about how God produces this maturity of faith that comes from unity, that comes from truth spoken in love. Remember, that's our, our talking point for this morning. The truth for us this morning is that true unity only comes from truth in love. And we see this amazing thing in chapter 4 that happens where the beginning is similar to the end. And they relate to one another. We're at the very beginning of the chapter. Paul writes that we need to lead a life worthy of our calling. Lead a life worthy of your calling. That Christ has called you. That in your call to follow him and to believe the gospel and then to live that gospel out and to preach that gospel to others, we have to actually lead a life that's worthy of that calling. So that's when he begins to explain, be humble and patient. And, because we have to live up to this calling that Christ has put on us. And, and then he, he has a similar statement at the very end where he says, don't grieve God by how you live. Don't, don't mess up this calling. Like Don't neglect your calling. Don't choose to treat people differently than Christ is calling you to treat them. Don't, don't ignore your call to be a part of reconciliation and to, to be a part of creating a mosaic, a beautiful picture of God's people for the world. Don't ignore that or even work against that because if you do if you live in such a way that it defeats the calling it doesn't live up to the calling 
then you actually grieve God. Think about that emotion, that deep emotion he's attaching to God there. That God can be sad by how we're living. Sad by how our churches look or by how we don't really display the full picture of God's people. That this can cause sadness from God. And I think we need to acknowledge that deep emotion there. That God could be grieved by how we are or are not living up to the calling He's placed on our lives as individual believers, but as corporate expressions of, of belief, of faith, as churches. And right there in the middle of this chapter, as those are the bookends to the chapter, right there in the middle is this passage we read from, where Paul says, complete maturity comes from unity, that we actually don't get to experience complete maturity that, that, that we don't actually grow up completely in the faith without a unity of diverse people, without an expression of God's people that is diverse, and that that unity, that unity where people can actually come together comes from truth in love, truth spoken in love, truth lived out in love. So maturity comes from unity, and, and unity comes from Truth spoken in love. True unity only comes from truth in love. And we've seen that this is an evidence of maturity. We see it in our lives and we see it in the scriptures. Right? Paul talks about a couple ways we can see immaturity in this passage, but we know others as well just from living. Right? When you get offended easily, when when you or I or anyone gets offended just real easily at, at things, that's, it's immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity. When we find ourselves caught up in some sort of name-calling or labeling of people, it's a sign of immaturity. When we're weak on truth, unwilling to speak truth, it's a sign of immaturity. When we're unwilling to love, meaning unwilling to love someone even if we disagree it's a sign of immaturity and when we are tossed around this is the one especially that paul points to when we're tossed around by each new teaching like waves are tossing us around in the ocean when when we're tossed around and a new teaching pops up or a new interpretation pops up or new shiny that's what kids do it's immature paul says Right? A child says, this, I'm watching this thing, and then, oh, shiny over here, I'm going to go do that now. When we don't have ourselves anchored to the presence of God and to the life He's calling us to, we find ourselves tossed to and fro, and it's a sign of immaturity. Instead, what Paul offers here, what God offers through His Scripture here to us, is that, that under the spiritual leadership of people that God has gifted to us, these leaders in our life, people leading us towards unity and maturity, under that leadership and alongside those in the body of Christ, He's gifting with other gifts than the gifts even we have, that we begin to learn to speak truth in love and we become more like Jesus. And this leads to our maturity. Not just 
individual maturity in faith, but our corporate maturing into the expression God desires for us to be to this world, the display of His presence to this world. And I've had to learn in my life that that maturity comes from honesty and transparency and a being called to a higher standard and, and people coming around me to push me and challenge me and expect things of me. And yes, that creates some sort of pressure or, you know, I mean, it, it's not easy. It's difficult, but that is what causes maturity. Maturity is not something that just naturally happens. For some reason, we think unity and maturity, these ideals, they're just going to be a part of human nature. They're just going to happen, but we don't, we don't see any evidence for that in the world. We don't, we don't see it just springing up and happening. Instead, it's this supernatural process God describes here through Paul of how God works through us toward one another. That we actually, through the leadership of others in our lives, the, the leading of our own lives, that seems like a weird concept sometimes, but we have to lead ourselves. We have to push ourselves and motiv- find motivation for ourselves. Others, leaders in our lives, will motivate us and, and point us in the right direction. And, and then others who come alongside of us, that we, they may not be in leadership positions over us, right? But they, they're alongside of us. We'd view them as an equal, but they're just as crucial to this process of pushing us along of challenging us, of encouraging us when we've fallen down. I've experienced this, that I need these people in my life. I need the body of Christ in my life. I need the presence of God expressed through others in my life where they can speak truth to me in love, not harshly, not, not speaking something to me just to hurt me or to, to, to point out fault just for the sake of pointing out fault. No, they're speaking truth Right, Black and white truth, difficult to hear truth, but in love because they love me, because they want me to become who God has, has designed me to be, not to harm me. And it's this learning to be in community, learning to be surrounded by those who are pointing the direction to what God has for us. right? And God is raising up from amongst his people, these leaders and these others who will come alongside us, he's, he's giving gifts to his church, the leaders of his church, and, and giving gifts to the people in his church in order to come together, in order to push one another to become the expression God has for us. Right? The spiritual leadership, the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, God's raising up people from among us. This is how he does it. He does it from among us, not from the outside, someone coming in to say this is what needs to happen, but from among us, God is raising up leadership to say this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. This is who God's called us to be. This is what the Word of God says is God's design for us and his plans for us. This is where the Spirit of God is taking us. And sometimes those are difficult words to hear. Right? Sometimes 
It's a difficult thing for a leader to stand up and, and, and declare where God has said we need to go. And, and I think the difficulty of that leadership has weighed heavy on the church today. And many times there's been so much pushback against that sort of spiritual leadership that many churches find themselves today in this place of stagnation or just wanting to stay the same. Wanting, they're afraid of change. They're, 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 there's no desire to cross dividing lines or to deal with the difficulty of personal preference and laying that down. And so there's not clear leadership, clear direction, leaders raised up in order to lead forward, and, and so churches just become what they are, these kind of pockets of personal preference and comfort zone and, and people who are like me and think like me and vote like me and all of that sort of thing, right? And we start to see the church looking more like the world, but God designed the church where he was infusing into people he was raising up, into the body of believers, these leaders, these gifts to the church, he says, of leadership. Of people who are saying, this is where we're headed. Let's go. Let's all get on board together. Let's unify. Let's be willing to have difficult conversations with one another. Difficult conversations around personal preference and opinion and differences and misunderstandings and miscommunications. Let's work through conflict when it happens, not run away from it. Let's, let's reconcile to one another. And then God's at the same exact time in gifting each person in the body with gifts for the purpose of building up the body. That's what Scripture says. So people who are coming alongside one another. It's not merely that he's giving gifts to the church in far, as far as leadership. He's giving gifts to each person within the church to play the role he's designed each of us to play as we each begin to mature and unify and become this mosaic expression of God's people. True unity only comes from truth in love. True unity only comes from truth in love. In uh, the book that I hope you've been reading, Multi-Ethnic Conversations, if you, if, you haven't got one of the, if you haven't picked up one of these Multi-Ethnic Conversation books or you haven't started reading your copy yet, I encourage you to do that. Start reading or make sure you grab one before you leave today. Um, or if you're listening on the podcast uh, and you don't have uh, this book but you'd want to get it, just Google Multi-Ethnic Conversations. It's an eight-week book about unity in your church. So in this book, though, that we're looking at, where it's challenging us. Talk about a difficult conversation. You're going to have a difficult conversation with yourself as you're reading this book. The authors are having difficult conversations with you as you read along in it each day. Um, But it reminds us that there's a 100% chance of being uncomfortable or even offended in a multi-ethnic church just from misunderstanding alone. A 100% chance, a 100% chance that at some point you're going to be uncomfortable or maybe even offended if you're trying to live out the call of the gospel in your life to, to see God bring together a diversity of people, different expressions and cultures and personal preferences together to then display for the world this mosaic picture of God. 
that it's just going to happen. There's going to be a time where you're like, that's not my preference for music. <laughs> There's going to be a time where it's like, oh my goodness, that's not my opinion. Why did, why did they react that way? Or what does that mean that they did that or said that? Right? And, and this is where the teaching in Ephesians 4 comes from, right? That we have to be humble and patient and gentle and allow for faults of others and have grace and, and be willing to speak the truth in love, have difficult conversations. Even the uncomfortableness or the difference that we're going to have to cross, the divide, or even the chance that we might be offended, these things can't stop us. We have to take the risk that we're going to have to deal with those difficult things in order that we can allow each cultural expression to have its place among God's people, each person will have a voice each each group of people have a voice to fully display the beauty of God's picture of a mosaic we have to stop making everything about us about our personal tastes or preferences and about the fullness of God's presence on display for the world a mosaic is not an easy thing to accomplish is it for an artist Think about that. These mosaic displays that these artists create are not easy. They're long, and they take step by step, little by little. If you were going to uh, build a mosaic as big as a, a football field, right, it would take a long time. It wouldn't happen overnight. It, can't, it wouldn't happen in the, in the blink of an eye, right? You'd lay out one piece and another piece. You'd paint one section and then another little section, and when all the work was said and done, it'd be this beautiful picture, but it will have taken a long time and a lot of effort to get there. Right? Think about that. Have you ever put together like a thousand-piece puzzle or even done one of those paint-by-number things? Um, it takes time, and it takes intentionality of li each little step, and each step along the way builds us to that, that picture, that beautiful mosaic, and that's where we are, right? We're we're only taking steps. We're not the full expression of that yet. But we're headed in that direction. That's where we're going. That's where we're going to find ourselves fully expressing God's presence. Fully becoming a display of unity and experiencing unity across division. And then, and then in that, beginning to be matured fully into the faith of who each of us individually are meant to be. And then us together as God's people are meant to be. This maturity that God's going to grow us up into. But it starts with the truth that true unity only comes from truth and love. We must be willing to have difficult conversations. We must be willing. I, I know this, that you must be willing to have difficult conversations, to allow difficult conversations to be had with you. Right? It's, it's time to step into this truth for your life. It's time for God to raise you up in leadership of others and in leadership of your own life and in partnering and coming alongside others to accomplish this. This vision He has for you and for us. This amazingly beautiful picture he wants to paint. 
this beautiful mosaic he wants to build. It's time to step up to this calling, right? It's difficult, but it's, it's freeing. And it takes faith. It takes faith to have difficult conversations and believe God is going to work out the, in the spiritual details, the supernatural, the internal things, right? Because you can't force people to do things, but God can be at work behind the scenes as you're having conversations. It takes action. You can't just talk about something, or, and you certainly can't be afraid of it. You've got to take a step of faith and do it and, and step across that dividing line that culture has drawn between you and someone else. It takes intentionality and commitment. You have to be very intentional, and you can't give up, and you've got to keep at it. You can't grow tired or weary, right? You, you need to hear the truth from others. And others need you to speak the truth. But all of it has to be done in love. Truth in love is a huge key to the successful experience and display of a multi-ethnic people of God. It has to be that you're willing to have these difficult conversations and allow those difficult conversations to be had with you when there's misunderstanding, when there's conflict even, even when you sin against someone and you intentionally did something to harm them. That process of forgiveness and healing and that conversation that needs to happen, you have to be willing to go through it if we're going to see a unified expression of God's people that displays for the world the fullness of His presence. This is what we need. We need true unity and true unity, that kind of deep relationship that forms as you go through the difficulties of life and as you celebrate the joys of life and as you begin to become almost like family to one another, Scripture says, we become the family of God. You begin to have these deep bonds formed. Those form because of truth and love. Those form because I'm able to be honest with you and you're able to be honest with me and we do it not to harm one another, not because we want to make life more difficult or just point out fault. We do it because I truly believe in what God has for you and who God is calling you to be. I truly believe that, that, that you need to know the truth so that you won't be in confusion and darkness, that you won't be believing a lie. It, it's out of love, out of a deep love for the other person in our life that we're having that conversation with and building that relationship with that we must speak the truth to one another. And have this honesty and transparency and openness with one another. And it's not going to be with everyone, all hundred people, two hundred people, thousands of people that are in the body of Christ. Right? But we begin to create that context of openness and transparency. And maybe it's just with that handful of people. But it becomes this whole network of handfuls of people. Right? We each have these people who are leading us, who are coming alongside of us, who we are leading. And, and it creates this momentum and this, this entire group of people that are headed in the same direction after the same calling and the same goal and on fire for the same reason because we truly believe God's best for people comes 
as they have deep relationship with one another, as they hear truth and love, and they speak truth and love, and then they become united across the things they thought were dividing them from others, and, and then they are brought into full and complete maturity and faith and trusting in God and a full maturing expression of God's people. We truly believe that God desires this relationship with people and with His people plurally, all of His people together, not divided, and so we pursue it. So, so this morning, as you reflect upon this, this truth, as we stand and sing, where the band's going to come up, we're going to go into a time of standing and singing, but there's going to be other ways you can respond. Reflect upon this truth and what God's calling you to. How's He calling you to speak truth and love or receive truth and love from other individuals in your life? How is He calling you to be a part of this expression of God's people that's going to speak truth and love to the world, that's going to show them the true picture of who God designed His people to be and the love that exists when that happens. And you can respond by coming to the prayer wall or kneeling on the side of the stage. You can kneel and offer prayer to God. You, you may want to take, we've been doing this each week, and it's a beautiful di- a physical display, a practical display, but you may want to take your name tag, which is colorful with your name on it, and place it on that black poster board, and it's going to display kind of a mosaic picture of who God's forming us into, the, the continued formation of us as, as a mosaic. You may want to respond through play, praying with someone else or, or just uh, in silence before God, but we're going to stand and begin to sing and begin to respond to God this morning. And I encourage you, I encourage you, don't shy away from what He's calling you to. Allow Him to raise up within you the gifts He has to, for you to, to use you as a gift to others so that you might be His presence in this world, so that we might display His presence in the beauty of this mosaic picture He's designed us to be to this world.